0: You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. You sucker is lame, it is a shame, but that's why you listen to J-R-A. They teach you the way, and they can explain why.
1: Brought to you by maple syrup Flavor jelly
2: Hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of Just Riding Along in the year 2018. Tonight, I'm going to start with a rant. Surprise, surprise. I want everyone to follow the rules. Uh, yeah. Matt's a rules guy. I'm a rules guy. Um, if the... Unless
1: it's a rule he wants to break and then he's not a rules guy.
2: <laughs> no. Continue. That's not true. Continue on. If me breaking a rule is going to impact an entire group of users, then it's something that I really enforce myself on. If it's a rule like you can only have one... Can you, you your-
1: mute yourself? <laughs> can and you mute it- Oh, uh, I can Apparently hear your plate. <laughs> I hear your plate clinking. Clank- nom nom nom. <laughs> Kenny's like, "Oh nom, mashed potatoes, oh nom."
2: No, uh, it looks like the mute isn't working. No, that doesn't do shit. Uh, oh well. Uh, no,
1: well, just get your plate further away from the microphone.
2: Okay, so Kenny's eating gourmet mac and cheese with bacon. I'm trying to rant about following the rules, so. I do follow the rules. I read the instructions. I follow the rules. I do things how you're supposed to do. And uh, there's a couple of things that I've I've really had enough of. And the first and foremost is and this is something that I'm guilty of, but people driving and filming at the same time, just stop it. That's how people die.
1: I was almost killed by someone like literally someone could have killed me if they had. Not half of a second sooner seen me and hit the brakes on their car. Someone was lost looking at their phone and rear-ended me. And it was on the straightest, flattest piece of road you could possibly picture in your mind. And they were looking at their phone and they almost killed me.
2: So, yeah. Stop dicking with your phone while you're driving. Yeah. Um, No
1: pictures, no videos, no whatever the fuck you're doing when you're looking at your phone. Don't do it.
2: The next one. Stop riding on the wrong side of the road. I don't care what it is. There are very few times that riding on the wrong side of the road is permissible. If you're racing a crit on a closed course because crits by USA Cycling require the course to be closed, then yes, that's permissible. If you are finishing a race and the open road sign has passed and you can use both lanes. Go for it. Ride right on both sides of the road. If you're fucking taking the pictures for the gram and your bullshit companies like uh
1: if you're on uh, an open road where you're No, look, can I finish? <laughs> you can finish. If
2: you're taking some pictures for the gram or for your bullshit company and you just want to make things look good by riding in the middle of the double yellow or riding on the wrong side of the road, stop it. Just stop. Because then you publish that shit out everywhere and you promote it and you pay to promote it and you use it as your fucking ad. And then everyone that doesn't ride sees you riding on the wrong side of the road. And then when they see me on my bike, they want to fucking run me over because that dickhead in that ad was riding on the wrong side of the road. It's why everyone, when they see a motorcycle crash, they're like, well, that asshole or a crotch rocket crash, like that asshole was driving a million miles an hour because they always see people going really fast on those. So when someone's hurt, they don't even feel bad.
1: Well, and that also like, people tend to, it's, it's like, I think it's called confirmation bias. Like they're biased towards like, if you already kind of don't like cyclists, like you only notice the cyclists that are fucking up. So you don't see the ads where it's like a happy kid riding on a sidewalk. You see that, like the ad, that's the person on the wrong side of the road, you know, or whatever. Like you, if, if you don't like cyclists, like you're going to look for stuff like that unconsciously subconsciously yeah that's the word for it subconsciously so don't put stuff out there if you're in the bike industry in any sense don't put stuff out there that's going to feed that bias
2: and lastly just being a douche on the bike in general just don't do it if you're epic
1: rule number one
2: yeah i don't want to that just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up about the time that mike mccormick was the biggest douchebag ever to me okay because he was being an ass once. And I nearly looked at him and said, rule number one, motherfucker. But <laughs> I figured that that wouldn't go over so well. Um, uh, Yeah, just don't be a douchebag when you go and ride your bike. I mean, just don't. like If you don't enjoy being on your bike and you can't be on your bike and be happy when you see other people, whether they're running or riding or hiking or playing frisbee with their dog or whatever they're doing, just stay home or go ride somewhere else, but like just be polite. Um I've seen this a lot cuz I've been riding trails that have more people on them. Um and I've been running trails that have people on them and a little bit of friendliness is just a like goes a long ways. And a little bit of like douchery goes a long ways also. So just don't, don't be rude, you know, just be, be polite and like be friendly to one another. Um, so everyone has a better time, but that's really, I don't know. That's really all that I have on that. Like, that's what I had written down. Um, it's just annoying when I see that stuff because I know that we can all do better and I know that it would take minimal effort. And then once that minimal effort was, let's call it done, then um, everyone would have a lot better time. And everyone would be uh, much, much happier. So with that all said, I know that usually my rants are semi-reasonable, but also like at the same time. Kind of unreasonable and uh, (laughs) douchery, but I I just feel like that one, like I really mean all that stuff. Um, So, yeah. You want me to go? I have donations we can cover. Oh, okay. So, Jim Kahn from Minnesota. Yeah, Jim Kahn. Got that one right, finally. He sent over 50 bucks with a note. Thanks, Matt, for the post-10K help at Frozen Events and for the fork rant, Smiley-Faced. Anthony D from North Carolina also sent in 50 doll hairs. Jared F from California, 25 doll hairs. Bradford H from Massachusetts, who's a serial giver, sent over $25 with a note. Matt's such a dick. I hope to see video of him freezing his ass off, sleeping at high elevation.
1: <laughs> Damn.
2: Um <laughs> I mean, Whatever, like (laughs) he still sent me money. (laughs) That's pretty much how it works. Here's some money.
1: I hope you die.
2: Uh, And then Doug J from Minnesota sent over a hundred bucks with a note. The show keeps me laughing, and I'm old as fuck. I even like the profanity. And he says, although the comment about the guy's wife while wearing your lead bill buckle may have been a bit too much, I agree, Doug. That was a that is where I crossed the line.
0: That (laughs) I finally found it. I like towed that line. Kenny's back you like don't know you don't yeah I'm back you don't know where the line is until you cross it a little bit Yeah,
2: exactly like you don't know where the edge of traction is until you slide you don't know what the bottom of your fork feels like until you bottom it out you don't know like how big of a jump you can do until you come up a little short so uh that was my Larry and Tyser version of still gonna send it and then I was like "Uh uh-oh I better just sit here and drink this beer so (laughs) um yeah, so thank you for all the, the donations and the kind and supportive words. Uh, we, we've we gotten a, a good bit of good feedback lately, and it's really nice to hear that. Um, so if you if you send in these donations that provoke us to keep going in some offhanded way, go for it. It's awesome. Uh, if you just want to send over like a thank you, go for it. JRA at mountbikeradio.com Just shoot over an email happy to see those they they really make our day um and yeah that's that's pretty much it um for for donations and whatnot and then i think that covers it oh i don't know i guess someone else can go
1: well it sounds like kenny's finished eating he can go
0: uh i got all kinds of shit actually you been doing so yeah, I did another trip down south. It was uh, pretty good times. I rode a new trail that I hadn't ridden before called Gooseberry Mesa. So again, if anyone's got a chance to do St. George area, just so much good stuff. It's ridiculous. This one is kind of in like the hurricane uh, area. And yeah, it's awesome. You got to kind of drive a little bit out of your way to get to the proper trailhead for it. Um, but yeah, super cool. So it's like, basically slick, rocky type stuff. So a bunch of traction and uh, a lot of just humongous rock formations with, uh, just a bunch of little up down. There's not a ton of elevation gain or loss. It's a nice little loop and it's probably, I don't know, just a couple hundred feet maybe, but it's really techie and it's just explosive power. Like every 10 seconds you got to explode over something. It's awesome. So really fun, like really good way to get your, um, your handling up to par and, you know, test out bike settings and all that kind of good stuff. Tons of little optional lines and, you know, you can pick your own adventure anywhere. It's really cool. So it's also really fun if you ride with maybe probably two or three people because you can, you know, just take some other lines and and get to the same place. So yeah, ton of fun. So that was a really good time. Other than that, just did some normal St. George stuff. Um, I was with people that were ramping up for the race next weekend, which is True Grit. And that, that one's pretty freaking serious. Like that's – after riding these trails a bunch, I absolutely do not want to race them. <laughs> it's like freaking hard. Have um, you seen
1: you know, on the internet
0: – It makes Silamo look like Wolf River Trail. So
1: like on Bike Rumor, there's a guy who built uh, like his cross-country bike and he's doing yeah, true on it. And it's assume. a less with a Lau fork on I know,
0: right? Like, cool frame and all, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I guess a neat fork for a gravel bike. And, <laughs> you know, I've I've talked with the Lauf guys. They've come into the shop, and they're nice. And, you know, they got some cool stuff. But, you know, I just don't really think that's the right tool for the job or even, like, close to the right tool for the job, personally. It's funny but, reading
1: the comments. Hey. People
0: are like, uh, Godspeed, dude. So, Well, what's funny is I mean, nobody's really backing them up. I read those. They were kind of yeah. Rude.
1: Uh, like, but hey, it is what
0: it is, dude. It's not like it's not an easy trail at, well, at all. I'm like, not even it. close to it. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. But like, damn, that's just—I just I just don't know why you would. I guess if you're that bored. So or I guess in this case, if everyone gives everything to you for free. But why would you I don't know why you would do that. I just don't. I
2: have one thing to add. And then one very big bit of snark. But I have to look up and make okay. sure that my
1: Your snark, snark is well placed. Is
2: well placed. So ooh, it's going to be very well placed. Um, so we have the Project XC race bike. Yada, yada from Bike Rumor. You know, that's what we're talking about. Um, I need to make some notes so I can link to that. Uh, let's see. Bear with me. I have to write that down. da. da, da, da. And I have to write slow enough so I can read it later. Um, and then right after that, there is a review of a Lauf True Grit um, fork. Yeah. Um, upon receiving it, I barely had enough time to build it. No, True Grit is a full suspension or is a suspended gravel bike. Um, uh, fortunately the build took hardly any time and that's coming from a guy that was trained to stress the details. Uh, I'm impressed. The ride wasn't that strenuous, but anytime you jump on a bike, you've rarely bid and you're going to learn some things. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, the fork is, uh, I don't notice the fork in a good way. So what I'm saying is the guy got a free, he gives a glowing review of this suspended gravel bike from Lauf. And now his XC bike has a loud fork on it. And I'm going to step out on a limb here. What I would consider to be a very sturdy and stable limb and say (laughs) those two things go explicitly hand in hand. Um, And then if you go up just a little bit further, bike rumor says suspension tech. How does undamped suspension work? Say. In a fort. Oh
1: my God. And really?
2: Here's going to be a huge explanation of how and why does undamped suspension work? Um
1: and why it's so good.
2: And there's all these breakdowns and showing the IFP issues and all this stuff. And uh
1: so some dude at Bike Rumor got two Lauf, well, wait, got a Lauf gravel bike, a Lauf fort for his mountain bike, an entry into a Lauf-sponsored race, and now they put out an article about why an undamped suspension fork is like all the highs of an undamped suspension fork.
2: And pretty much it's saying that if you're riding over faster, smaller obstacles, that rebound doesn't have time to function. So uh,
1: so if you're on a road.
2: Yeah. Um, so there's... Say-
0: Wait, what are they saying? I, I missed that. So they're that saying rebound that... rebound can't keep up in the because traditional it, Because system. it moves... Because it moves so little, they're saying that the since it's practically undamped and the travel is so little that it doesn't matter? Is, is that uh, basically what they're saying? They, when riding faster over smaller obstacles, the
2: rider will have cleared the obstacle before the suspension rebounds under you. Essentially what happens is the more massive rider and bike combo remains in a constant position while the wheel under you is free to move up and down. A rigid fork would bounce up and down and transmit every impact to the rider. But something like a leaf spring, loud fork, can better keep the wheel in contact with the ground and grip control. Uh, Their undamped suspension really shines because the carbon leaf springs, their forks have no friction. So they act faster than any fork we know of, and the energy goes into the system during the hit, and it is not lost via damping. So, um, yeah, that's what suspension is supposed to do, though, is displace energy.
1: So look people this is why you get your bike news from just riding along on a
2: damped fork you would end up closer to the ground after the hit even though the the damping ate energy you would end up going deeper into the travel (laughs) since the fork would not rebound fully as the damping would steal some of the energy that went into it that's not Uh, how it
1: sounds like someone reviewing the first suspension fork ever made
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a, bummer. yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess some of that would hold true if your suspension fork was either a broke as shit or B set up unbelievably poorly. So I don't know, that's pretty dumb. And that's the problem, you know, when you are paid to review stuff, like this is what happens. So it's not a, like, I'm glad bike rumor exists. I really do. Like, cause it's all in one place. I get it. You know, the guys built a brand, um, people send them stuff. Like I understand that, but If you really want to know how something is... Like, if you just want news, like, oh, shit, the new Eagle Wireless is out. That's probably a good place to get it. But if you want actual, like, anything that's constructive, um, you need to look elsewhere. I mean,
1: basically, like, the only thing we've ever gotten for review was... Well, so, like, Kenny had, like, five episodes of ranting about SRAM brakes. And I got some brakes to use to make... To, like, be like, hey, look, I use these. And they... I mean... They don't, they're far from sucky. Like, they're, they're my new favorite break. They're like, I, I was riding XTRs and these are the guide ultimates and, um, I like them way better. They have more power. I don't feel like I, I outrode the XTRs once and that can, that, that probably won't happen if you're like someplace that doesn't have 20 minute long descents. But, you know, like, I, you know, I just like them way better. There's, are strong, and they're, they work. And, you know, the problems that Kenny was ranting about don't exist anymore or they're being fixed. So. Yeah, so. But that's the difference. So, like, we we were like, ah, these fucking suck. And the company's like, here, no, they don't. Try them. And I can't say that they suck because I, they didn't suck.
2: But, so that was my... I just got really giddy because like when I went to see if the true grit like gravel bike got a good review, I found even more stuff preaching the you know dampless suspension.
1: The dampless suspension.
2: But um Dampless. It's not moist. Ooh, the not moist suspension systems. There we <laughs> go, because there's no sauce in there. Um there was even more stuff touting it, but you know, I I I know that there's people out there that even listen like Dickie and Dickie runs rigid with a dropper post and you just can't fix old and stupid. (laughs) But if you are running and I I stand by this, I have a step cast and it does not pass the sit on the, like if you walk up to your bicycle, like opposite of how you would normally ride it. So like you're holding the bars, like your your right hand grip is in your left hand and your left hand grip is in your right hand. And you're
1: you're, facing your handlebars.
2: You sit on the wheel. Yep, you're facing the bike. You sit on the front wheel. The step cast does not pass the stiffness test at all. The sitness test? No, the stiffness test. Oh, I, I thought burped. you said this no, like a litmus test, but a,
1: a st- <laughs> no. I
2: burped when I said <laughs> that. It does not pass <laughs> that. Like it is the flexiest, sketchiest thing you've ever seen. You go out and rip it with my 720 bars. It feels awesome. And where I'm going with that is, if you're gonna ride a step cast. You need to run a skinny bar. You probably need a rigid C post because you're only going to go so Cindy. Now, I have been jumping some stuff high post lately, like real jumps. Kenny will be proud. I've been jumping. It's on
1: uh, the latest longest off season ever that I uploaded.
2: Yep. I hit some real jumps high posting. Um, Single
1: speed high post over the jumps.
2: 120 millimeter stem slammed high post jumping jumps. But yeah, dude, getting it. But the fork feels good. When you're running high post, skinny bars. Now, if you put a dropper on that bike and a 750 bar, I could outride the fork for sure. So, again, people like Dickie, you want to run rigid in a dropper. I can't change your mind.
1: He's like, he's an outlier. Like, he doesn't count.
2: Because he's also super, he's stupid quick downhill. Like,
1: yeah, he's really quick and he's, he's also very small, which makes a difference.
2: Yeah, four apples tall. So, he's,
1: well, he's really light, which I figured out. That was like my aha kind of moment when I hear like people bigger than me or bigger than all of us, all three of us talking about like how they didn't like a fork or a frame or whatever. Like when I put bikepacking stuff on my one nine with a Sid World Cup, I had never really noticed like it's like, well, yeah, it's it doesn't ride like a pike, but it's OK. Like in that situation, like Matt was saying, like if you're cross country racing and you're high post like it, it works like it, it does that job really well. But when I loaded it with like 20 or 30 pounds worth of stuff and basically made myself, you know, I don't know.
2: American sized?
1: Yeah, like 170 pounds or 160 pounds or 170 pounds instead of 140. You know, like it rode way different. Like the it felt like if I turned, if the, the wheel was in like some chundry stuff and I turned it, like it didn't turn very well like i could feel that flex and so i was like oh okay i i get what people are bitching about now when they say they don't like that fork
2: but yeah you're gonna a dropper post and a allow just don't go together <laughs> if you need a dropper post you need a fox 34
1: well you know i i feel like i i don't you know i'm gonna disagree with you there because i think there are some people that a dropper post is going to increase their descending confidence. Like maybe they're just a super rock star uphill and that's going to keep them in the same, like if you're a cro- in a cross country race and some people are good descenders and some people aren't, um, you know, if you're in the, like the lead group going uphill and then you turn and you start just railing down some single track and you're not that good at descending, like you need a little bit of extra, just some confidence. Like I think the dropper post could help there. Like that's, you know, it, it, I think it can help make up a little bit. You know, if you need a little help with that, um, you know, in your cross-country races, I, I don't think that it's wrong to have like your cross-country bike with a dropper if that's really helpful to you. I was kind of in the opposite situation, but I don't have to go into that. I don't want to sound cocky.
2: So, don't do it. And the fork could just snap off yeah. like that guy. No, you know, we got five, a super so long tangent
0: there about uh, Trugit. But basically i was <laughs> just yeah, kind of decompressing <laughs> my week.
1: Oh yeah. You went to that place where the guy's going to ride the bike. With the there, yeah. Okay. There
0: you go. So anyway, uh, for those interested or want to follow it or whatever, uh, or have maybe heard it mentioned, you know, cause it's on bike rumor and et cetera. Uh, that's what true Grit is, is in St. George and it rides like all the rowdy trails for the most part in St. George. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, really, really gnarly, like super big respect. Um, again, doing some other, I would call, you know, moderately techie endurance kind of stuff. I couldn't imagine doing this one. So definitely prop to people who have like uh, finished it. And especially people who have done it in like crazy fast times. It doesn't make any sense to me because dang, like it is. It's cool because it's a very, it truly is a uh, one of the best mixes I've seen of just needing ridiculous fitness and having ridiculous bike handling skills. Like there's no way to really fake uh, bike handling skills at this place, like it's just you either have it or you don't, so yeah, pretty impressive there. Uh, what else is going on? Some funny stuff, now,
2: throw one quick in for that, that? or a finishing. So, uh, Tom Parsons from Dirtwire TV is covering Druger at Epic. So, if you want to see like a recap of the gnarliness, follow
0: along, it'll be up on YouTube probably next week. Awesome. Uh, so kind of a funny thing and random. So Shimano, the new XTR rotors, I don't know what the model number is, but the brand new, like awesome Ice Tech XTR rotors, uh, no matter what size you get, they still come factory with the cassette style uh, lock ring tool deal that only fits on a quick release. Like, what the (laughs) fuck are you doing, Shimano? Who in the (laughs) world is going to buy that and put that on a quick release bike? I mean, especially like 180 millimeter rotor. (laughs) <laughs> with a QR only adapter. Anyway, that's just ridiculous. So it just means the customer has to go out and buy a proper external bearing Shimano bottom racket tool style one that actually fits over a 15 mil axle. And, but what I don't understand either is the bigger version fits on both axles. So why wouldn't you just package the one in there that fits on everything? So there's my little- <laughs> Well, the last thing of that, is they're both Shimano tools. Well, yeah, they're both exactly like, what the, what the fuck are you doing? Shimano? I don't understand <laughs> sometimes at all. They are really slow to market with stuff, which is a bummer. I mean, I'm glad they dial stuff, but damn. And then they do stuff like that. What are you, what was the meeting that was had there that they decided that that was okay? I don't get it. <laughs> so there you go. So if anybody That's happens, big, big. you know, you go buy some baller new wheels, like you go get some envy, uh, some NV525s that are center lock only DT hubs. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll make the best of this. I'll go buy some ballin Shimano center lock rotors. Yeah. You're fucked. Someone at Shimano bought like a million of those. And now they're like, shit, we got to keep sending these out until we're out of them. (laughs) That's probably (laughs) everything. Yeah. They got like way too many of them made and they're just trying to like sneak them out.
1: Like someone sneezed
0: placing the
2: order and like held down the zero too long.
1: Yeah. Like they put one too many zeros in the order. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: Yep. And uh just some other random stuff, because I don't like to, you know, keep stuff secret or not talk about stuff if it's, you know, negative or whatever. Uh I got a wolf tooth ring that flat out did not work. And I was kind of bummed about that.
1: Oops.
2: What did yeah, they? Say? They
0: fixed it, but you know, I mean, I'll just tell everybody how it is. I bought a direct mount race face ring, uh like through the shop through quality. And, uh, yeah, it sat around for a week or two before I got a chance to like, you know, do the project of,
1: wait, you, you just know, said, you just said race face. Do you mean wolf it's tooth? a
0: race face, direct mount ring, like for a race face, oh. uh, next crank, but it's a wolf tooth ring. Okay.
1: So it's a cinch. cinch. Yeah. That, oh, that would have made okay. more sense. But okay. anyway,
0: it sat around for a week yeah. or two before I like was going to delve in and, you know, replace my bottom bracket and fix some other crap and like, you know, replace bearings here and there and just, you know, whole drivetrain, do all that stuff. So I get to doing it and it's like a week before I'm about to go out of town and yeah, put it all together and like last steps, putting that ring on there and it like flat out will not mesh with the chain, like not even close.
1: Oh, I had a, I had a, one of the Praxis wave rings that didn't do that. They had to warranty it. All right. It was the same thing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't even adjust my shifting because when I got to like the lowest two years, the chain would fall.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This one was so bad that if you did like motor it on there hard enough, like if you Brake torqued it and then just yeah. pulled the chain down into the ring, which you could barely even do that. Yeah. It would chain suck so badly. It would just like the chain would just keep rotating around that ring. You would probably wrap around 10 times and then blow everything up.
1: So yeah. Was, like that's. Yeah. Mine was, mine was almost I that was bad. super
0: bummed about that because it wasn't like a little bit of a tolerance issue. This thing was m- like machined over a millimeter wrong, probably, which is a huge amount. So kind of bummed on that, and then you know I told him about it on Monday or Tuesday, and I explicitly said like, and I did a bunch of footwork too, like take a damn video, and I, you know it just takes time to get all that stuff done, and you know just assuring them that I'm not a
1: yeah, because you you can describe to them exactly what your problem is, and they? they're like, could you send yeah, a video and it's all that, that
0: stuff, and it's like, well, you know, uh, maybe it's your chain. I'm like, dude, it's a brand new XX one chain. It's not my chain. Come <laughs> on. <laughs> Anyway, you know,
1: if you just use the one of the SRAM, um, you know, like the Eagle version two narrow wide chain rings, they work real well.
0: I don't think they make one for a race face uh, crank, but I could be wrong. No, probably not. So (laughs) anyway, I was just kind of bummed about that. I mean, it happens. Stuff happens. I get it. Um, But what bummed me out even more is I like specifically asked like, hey, is there any way I can get this here by Friday? Because I'm leaving good to go out of town. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And it showed up on Monday. So anyway, yeah. kind of a, there's, there's my dig on wolf tooth. People fuck up. I get it. Stuff happens, but, um, you know, it just sucks. It is what it is. And, you know, just the extra time I had to take, you know, is an extra two hours of my life that I wasted at least of putting rings on and off again and all that kind of crap and like back and forth and responding to emails and taking videos and uploading them to YouTube and just, just a pain in the ass. So, anyway, just, yeah. just a bummer. I mean, Wolf Tooth has helped us out in the past for sure. And, like, I still love their stuff, and that's why I still run it. But you Their know, dropper lever is the best. Yeah, they make a lot of really good and stuff. I, they were really responsive, I I even, and they were super nice, without a doubt. But, anyway, just letting people know, shit happens. Uh, and that was my experience. So, they were nice. But, yeah, just a humongous waste of my time.
1: I think I even, like, ragged on their dropper lever once saying that it was – more complicated than it needed to be. Yeah. But then, but then Fox came out with a really shitty dropper lever. And I I just, now I'm just like, if you buy a Fox seat post, the wolf truth, wolf tooth lever is like five or $10 more. Just get that because the Fox lever is a sharp little turd.
0: <laughs> the wolf one is nice. I've used it before.
1: Yeah. We keep them in stock.
0: Show do,
2: so what else, Kenny?
0: Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else cool that's happened? I know there's like two or three things that I was that like I tried to put a a reminder for myself, but uh, I, I can't remember what they are now. So I'm sure I'll remember them here in a few minutes. So do we have uh, questions? I know we got a couple of emails. Or Andrea, uh-huh. Do you uh-huh. want to go? There's,
1: there's yeah. Um. So I put up a newest longest off-season ever video today on the mountain bike radio youtube channel um it's i mean the last one was really awesome and it was really unique because it was like fat biking and skiing this one just kind of like i don't know i feel like every time you see someone posting about themselves on the internet like they only post stuff like the fat bike and skiing thing and so i felt really compelled to just do like this is what I really do on my days off unless I am not doing something crazy like fat buying fat biking and skiing. Like I, you know, it's, it's just kind of like my three days off cause I'm four on three off and you know, it's, it's just like random kind of the things that go on like riding bikes and making cookies, um, uh, cutting wood, doing yard projects like, oh yeah. And lots of, uh, I get into some of the social media stuff I have to do for um, a little bit for myself and for some of the, um, local trails and businesses. So it's, you know, it's, it's maybe not quite as exciting, but it does give you kind of the, the flip side of like, if it's not a big adventure, then what is it? So it's that, um, I don't know. That's kind of the only thing I've done. Like you, if you want to know like what I've done in the last week, go and look because that was my last weekend. Like I've trained a bunch the last three days. I rode the Ibis Haka MX um, for 50 miles today, about 50 miles. I still really like the bike. Uh, I like the Schwalbe tires. The They're the G1s. Uh, Kenny, what's the way that you actually pronounce that? You do it well.
0: Oh, Schwalbe? Like how you say it? Yeah. It's something weird. It's like it's like Schwab or something. Yeah, Schwalbe.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I really like the G1. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a mud tire, but I will say I rode it in mud and like slushy snow, mud and stuff today, and it had more traction than I expected. So I wouldn't say like, if you're just like oh, I'm going to go do land run where it's just you nearly know, like a million miles of mud, I'm not going to say that's your mud tire but I will say that it has more mud traction than what you think it will have when you look at it. So I like it a lot because I really, um, I'm happy that it's, you know, it's relatively fast rolling on the road and yeah, it's, that seems like a good tire. Uh, I haven't had it around a ton of sharp stuff, but I mean, I have a little bit, I've ridden it down some trails and stuff, so it's, it's been good so far. I like it. Um, should I talk about the checkpoint? Cause I wanted to talk about new shit. We probably hate, even though we don't really haven't decided if we hate it or not. But since I was talking about gravel bikes,
2: I mean, you're an adult.
1: <laughs> so Trek released their checkpoint this, uh, this week it's an ISO speed decoupled in the back. Uh, their gravel bike fits up to 45 C tires. Um, it, I mean it's it slots right in with most of the other gravel bikes out there like if you compare it to the Hakka and you compare it to like the um, the specialized diverge the only thing that I think is really weird about it is the reach is really long like the reach on a 49 centimeter checkpoint, is the same as my 53 centimeter IBIS. And that's even like, if you look at the specialized diverge, um, the reach for their 52 centimeter bike is, I have it pulled up here. Um, 36.7. So like 37, like right in line pretty much with like my 53, like, but then the, like the 52 centimeter checkpoint has a reach of almost 38 centimeters. So like a full centimeter, like a centimeter longer almost. So it's uh, other than that, like, I mean, it's just, it's another gravel bike. And if you like treks and the ISO speed thing is cool. I had it on my boon and it makes it ride a little bit more like a titanium frame. If you've ever ridden one of those, Um, if you're on a tie bike now and you're like, Hey, I want something a little lighter. I would definitely recommend going with an ISO speed bike because it feels very similar to the kind of vibration dampening that you get from a tie bike. Um, yeah, it's there. It's another drop bar mountain bike out there.
0: <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah. You should just buy a mountain bike.
2: <laughs> so, um,
1: it I does did- have bigger clearance than the Haka. Like the Haka, they say it's, um, uh, they say 40 cent, 40 C tires and it does the t- whatever 275 by 2.2 2. Um, the checkpoint they do say you it's spec for not 275 tires they're like this it's not recommended that you do that and they don't offer it in 275 like road plus is the new newfangled like what all the kids are calling it um, term so uh, it's you know I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if maybe they just wanted to cut down on manufacturing costs or what, but you know, they're saying don't, you know, it's not made for that. I'm sure it could do that, but you know, they won't even say like what size tire will fit in there. I'm sure within like a month or two, if you look at like the riding gravel forum, someone's going to put 27, five tires on there. They're going to tell you what, how large of a tire you can put on it.
2: So real quick, um, I don't understand your complaint about the IBIS. Or about the checkpoint. It's just too long.
1: Yeah, it's like it's all the sizes are like the reach is like one size bigger than any other gravel bike out there.
2: No, not all the sizes. So does it have maybe I'm just throwing well,
1: something I only out look there. At,
0: does it have I only maybe, look at
1: sizes my like my size.
0: Does it have like a slightly slacker head tube angle and they're trying to make it handle better by running, say, a 10 cent or a 10 millimeter shorter stem?
2: Well, it's, the other it's thing comparable is you're on the toe overlap end,
1: I am on the toe overlap end,
2: so you said that the like it's their forty nine centimeter has a reach of three seventy three
1: yeah, that's what my fifty three centimeter ibis has,
2: yeah, but the forty nine centimeter ibis has a reach of three seventy, yeah, so it's barely small, it's not smaller um, and then when you look at the big end, the ibis is a four oh six reach. And the checkpoint is a 397. And those are both claimed 61 centimeters. Like, so Um, I think the reason that the toe overlap or that the reach is increased on those small bikes is just for toe overlap.
1: Yeah, the Haka, I can make it, like, buzz my toe if I want to, but...
2: And I bet with a 45, you could make those buzz your toe if you really tried. You see, like, so... If you make the tire bigger, you got to make the the front end a little longer. It's going to toe overlap real bad like your Surly does.
1: Oh, the Surly, nothing's as bad as the Surly. (laughs) My my foot can get stuck on the wrong side of the tire on the Surly. (laughs) It's kind of scary. But if you look at like the Diverge has a 71 degree head tube angle. So similar to both of the other bikes and its reach is on like my size bike is 36.7. So a tiny bit shorter. And actually on the smallest bike on the 48 is 36. So a centimeter shorter. And, you know, I don't know if anyone's complained about toe overlap on those, but you know, so that's, it's not like they can't do it. We don't have to argue about it. I'm just, I'm just saying like, that's the only thing that stuck out. Like if you, if you look at the spec for a, you know, the, the, uh, the new checkpoint, that's kind of the only thing that sticks out that. And, uh, I really wish like they do Shimano on everything at Trek, unless you're at like the super high end build of some of their road bikes, but not this one. And they're all like Shimano two by. And I think that for a bike marketed as a gravel bike, I'm not saying two by is bad. Don't email me and say that I'm saying that because I'm not like we've established that like in some situations, that range is useful and necessary for whatever cycling experience you're doing. But for like the gravel thing, like, and I noticed this today, I was kind of paying attention to it. So I've got one by with a 10:42 on my IBIS and I use the entire cassette. If you're on gravel, And you're going 30 miles an hour, you're standing up. You're not pedaling, you're not sitting in the saddle trying to make power. If you were, you would be spun out, but you would also be getting like shaken from the ass up because you're sitting on gravel roads. So, you know, like having two by on a like a bike that's supposed to be marketed towards the gravel specific crowd, I think is a little like. I don't know. It's just not that necessary. It makes the bike a little heavier and it's just more stuff than what, you know, a lot of the people come from the mi- mountain biking community where they're uh, where you get a lot of one by drive trains and they're looking for something with a one by drivetrain. So, you know, they, that would kind of, th- that and the reach, those were the only things that really got kind of stuck out in my mind is, is they're all two by and the reach is a little long. That's the only thing I can bitch about. It looks like a pretty solid bike. Otherwise,
0: Anything else, Andrew, or do we should we jump to questions and such?
1: We can jump to questions. Do you want me to do a listener question about mountain bike and gravel bikes?
2: Sure. Is this uh, Brad Herder? Yeah. Wait a minute. We have we have two quickies. Okay. Um, um let's see. Oh uh, crap. Uh. Uh. Oh, Brady Howe. Uh, after riding your trainer, don't give the leftover scratch slabs in your bottle to your avocado houseplant. The salt will accumulate in the leaves, <laughs> causing them
0: to dry up and fall off. Electrolyte <laughs> its not what plants need.
1: Why would you do that?
0: I don't know. Well, we maybe he like always play. had like that little bit extra in his <laughs> bottle, and he just got in the habit of just pouring it in the plant every time, and then you do that a bunch, like, <laughs> <laughs> two or three times that's a week.
1: That's what I would do. Like, if I had a roommate I didn't like and I wanted to kill their houseplant, that's what I would do would be to pour my extra energy drink into their house plant.
2: <laughs> and then we have a quick one about gravel gearing. It was because you were just talking about one by two by et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Matt, a couple of week, uh, episodes ago, maybe the rant episode, you mentioned how you didn't like one by for gravel bikes. I was wondering if you could explain this a little more. I do quite a bit of gravel racing and I'm in the process of building up my first real thoroughbred race bike. And I was pretty set on running XTDI2 with one by with Ultegra shifters and a 44 or 42 chain ring and a 1042 cassette. I live in Texas. So extended climbs aren't really a thing. We replace those with an incessant amount of rollers. Most of my races are in the Midwest, but I'd like to go and try Rebecca's private Idaho someday. Thanks Clayton. Um, if you look at the shift jumps, I think if I was going to build, so let's back up. This has nothing to do with the checkpoint being for sale. I'm actually fully over drop bar bike my my crockett is for sale if anyone wants a crockett with a power meter with rival two by eleven and all the parts to properly make it rival one by eleven hit me up sixty one centimeter six fifty wheels fenders frame bag you name it carbon bar it's got all the bits and pieces and shit um but if I was going to have a bike and race gravel, I would run the Praxis Road Crank, so 4630 chainrings. And I would also run, and be careful with that, because if your bike has a Brazon front derailleur, it might not go low enough. Some bikes are made for a minimum of 50. Um, so just be careful with that. But I would run a 4630 uh, doodad, uh, 4630 chainring combo, and like an 1132 cassette. Because I want my cassette to be close together. Um, Those times, like you talk about those incessant little rollers. So when you're going through the rollers, I feel like the 1042, you're going to sometimes feel like you don't have the correct gear. So if you're trying to like spin along and like rally up this one and down the backside and up the next one and down the backside, like you're going to maybe be between gears sometimes. Um, You might not. You might set it up and love it and be like, oh Matt's an idiot. He can't pedal. But
1: well I was gonna give you a I, I was gonna give the opposite answer of what you're giving. So keep going and then I'll give him the other way the other answer to confuse him.
2: Yeah, but that's my that's my take on it. I'd want forty six forty six eleven as a big year would be plenty come on now. Like I don't need to go faster than that. And then thirty thirty two, that would be plenty slow. Um and I think it would just be a really good bike. Um, and also by having a 30, I think that SRAM makes an eleven thirty eleven 11-speed cassette. And then you could run one-to-one and still have the close range of 1130. So I'm going to double check that while Andrea tells me how wrong I am.
1: <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong because I think that if that's what you enjoy riding the most, then you are right.
2: Well, it's not what I enjoy riding. I mean, what I said, what I mean is the my riding, my pedaling style, I like having what I call the right gear more often.
1: So I come from, well, I've done single speed a lot. So I'm used to having the wrong gear 90% of the time. Um, Also, the training that I've been doing on the trainer. So if you've watched any like of the longest off season ever stuff, or you look on like, Instagram or anything. You see, I, I've been riding the trainer a good bit. I use trainer road and I've been using uh, a smart trainer, which means when trainer road says you're going to do 204 watts, the trainer makes you do 204 watts, no matter how fast or how slow you're pedaling. So if you pedal faster, you have less resistance. If you pedal slower, you have you feel like you have more resistance. So I've been doing that a lot. And on a lot of the longer rides, like I vary my cadence a lot. So, you know, I might be doing an interval that's like 12 minutes of 204 watts. And during that interval, I'll vary my cadence from like standing at 55 watts and then just gradually work it up and work it up and work it up and then be sitting and doing 112 RPMs at 204 watts still. So, because I've been training in a way that it probably makes, you know, there's definitely a cadence at which, which you're most efficient. Um, I think because of the way I have been training, I, my efficiency range is a little wider than just someone who's always training on the road or always kind of training at like the same cadence. So I definitely, you know, I'll preface what I'm going to say with that because I, I did notice today, um, I could basically like when I was trying to do some, when I was doing some intervals at the beginning and at the end of my ride, um, you know, I, I did notice where there might be like a spot in the 1042 cassette where I was spinning a little faster than I normally would, or a little slower than I normally would, but it didn't bother me because I've been training that. So Matt's right when he says, You know, like if you have a 1042 cassette, you're going to feel or an 1146 or whatever, like you're, you're going to feel occasionally like you're in between years, but you can train in a way that uh, makes it not feel so bad. So, you know, I I will say like Matt's right. If you have a wide range cassette on the road, um, there's definitely, there's going to be times where you feel in between stuff. Um, But it works okay for me. I've been doing 1042. I use a 42 front chain ring. I can't really see myself needing a bigger front chain ring than that, but there are longer climbs here. And, you know, like I said in the last little bit, like I don't feel, you know, like I was descending today on like a straight flat or not flat, but like slightly downhill gravel road with a tailwind. And I was doing like 30 miles an hour. It's like, well, yeah, I'd be spun out right now if I tried to pedal. But I'm standing up because it's a gravel road and it's bumpy. So I wasn't. It didn't bother me that I had the 1042. Like it, I don't know. Maybe if it was like a paved road, I might have been sitting and trying to pedal, and I might have been spun out and annoyed at it. But it it didn't bother me because it was a situation where I wasn't trying to pedal. So yeah, I mean, it's it really depends on you. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Like I I'm happy with my setup and. Matt wasn't, and it doesn't mean Matt's wrong. It just means that I've trained differently and I have a higher tolerance of being a little out of my favorite cadence range.
2: And one other thing to add, before anyone emails me and is like 42, 1042 has the same range as 4630, 1130, not talking about range. Don't come at me with that smart ass bullshit. I ain't got time for that. I'm not talking about range. I'm talking about gear steps and I don't like them big. I like them little mm-hmm and shimano and shram both make 1130 cassettes shram does it in a red shimano does it in an ultegra and a durace so there you go clayton if it were my bike i would put that praxis crank an ultegra di2 with a long cage on it and go rip it
0: That's how I would run. So I'm going to chime in there. So I'm definitely of the mindset. If you're going to go ahead and like do one by anything and it's got drop bars and you're going to like do longer stuff, especially if it's flatter, I would kind of agree with Matt. I wouldn't necessarily do, I would just give up a little bit of range um, and just have those closer steps. Cause most of the time, if you're on a drop bar bike, you're going to be, I don't know, let's just say you're averaging 20 miles an hour. Like that's kind of, plus or minus a few miles an hour, that's where you're going to be at. You, depending on what size front ring you're going to be at, you're going to be in like your bottom three cogs on the cassette. And if that's the case, if you have more than a one tooth jump in there, it is going to be horrendous. And the only thing that's going to get you that is something like an 1130 or an 1132. Um, I would push for the 1132 because it gives you uh, 11, 12, 13, 14. So your bottom four are all one tooth apart. And so another thing people don't realize on a mountain bike, you're not running a 40 something tooth cassette or a chain ring rather. So yeah, the jumps in the back are already pretty big on the mountain bike, but you're talking about a 32 ring. So you go to a 42 or a 48 even holy crap, like that stuff just gets amplified even more. So I would really, really caution against using a full blown mountain bike cassette unless you're running a smaller chain ring on the front. Um, But if you're going to do off-road stuff, like, you know, maybe Maybe a cross situation or, you know, something like that, or more of like a, know, anytime you're going to do more climbing, I think it makes more sense. But if you're going to do some flat stuff, I would not get, I would not put a one by in a full size, like mountain one by 11 cassette on there.
2: Yep. And I have both of them pulled up right now. So the 1132 is 11, 12, 13, 14, and then it does double. So 16, 18, 20, 22, and then 25. And the 30 cassette goes 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and then 17, 19, 21, 24, 27, 30 versus, you know, it goes to the last three jumps on the 32 are, or the last four jumps are 22, 25, 28. So threes, and then 28 to 32 is a four tooth jump. So Yeah,
0: so you get you get one more. Single tooth jump, which is really cool. So, I mean, there's definitely reasons to do both, but just don't, you know, don't underestimate the amount of time you're going to spend in probably those, let's say, bottom three or four uh, gears. Right. So, and get by, those things close together.
2: And by going to a double, you're not running like even a big ring for a one by would be a 46, you know, but you're running, if you're running, or sorry, a big ring for a one by would be 44 or 42, but a little like a small size, big ring for a double would be 46. So, and a normal size would be like 50.
0: So the only redeeming value I see of doing like the full blown one by, uh, like mountain range cassette is you do get that 10 tooth, but I mean, I I just don't, I don't think that's worth it. I would never make that trade, um, to get that teeny tiny bit more. It is 10%, but that tiny bit more top end, I would not do that because where you're going to live, 90% 90% of the time you're going to have at least two or three tooth jumps and that's just no good.
1: I mean, for uh, like, like I was saying, it's, it may be no good for some people, but it's okay for other people. So it sure. just depends on you the know what you're
0: getting into. I think people don't realize cause I've had multiple people present this to me and they don't realize the difference that it makes. Like, Oh yeah, I run my, you know, whatever Eagle on my mountain bike, let's say with my 28 tooth ring on the front. Okay. That's great. Hey, it's a mountain bike and you're riding it off road and everything, but yeah, you're going to, you know, add 20 teeth to that front ring. So all of a sudden those jumps get way bigger and they just, people don't think about that, I think. So yeah, just keep it in mind.
1: Just depends on how, what you tolerate.
0: So anything else from you guys or, um, or we, uh, we got other other questions that was that our first question uh, or is that a rant? I don't even know that one's so long winded.
2: Well, there was like, it was a, it was Andrea's rant that led into like kind of a question. And now we have another gravelly question. Okay. Got it. This is
1: like the gravel episode. <laughs> All right. Basically. You want me to read a uh, Brad Herder's email? or are you going to do it? You please read. Um, shit, I lost it. You read it hey matt Sorry. i love
2: you guys especially matt because he's such a dick lol <laughs> all of you are great though i write a long email to you a while ago asking about bikes buy, and you read it on the air and gave me some advice which i didn't take however this time is going to be different so waste more of your fucking time with me no he actually <laughs> doesn't say that uh, however something kenny said about the stump dripper had me looking at that line i ended up trying out a camber expert 275 and loved it because it's the first bike i've demoed in the last year with attic bottom bracket clearance it's not the lightest but 4400 bucks with carbon frame carbon wheels a 34 and swat which i really like it's perfect for me thanks kenny and now for the real question have a 2016 scott scale 700 which is really nice lightweight hardtail with a fox 34 i want to use this bike for 32 Fox 32 Kashima Ford. Sorry, I just found the email. I want to use this bike for gravel grinding. I sold my cross bike because I never felt safe on drop bars. I love to stand on the climbs. The problem is the Fox 32 doesn't completely lock out. I was told there's nothing they can do to make it lock out better. Uh, you can put a bolt through the. What do you mean?
0: Fit 4. That Fit but, 4 has like a fuck you lockout. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Maybe Brad's a bigger person. No, I, so I would bet
0: money that it's got like a grip damper or maybe it's an older 32. Um, it's I, a
1: 2016. I,
0: would, there, I really, really doubt that it's a fit four. one. Could be, but I doubt it because I've ridden multiple fit fours and those things are certain it's a, shit.
1: It's a fuck you lockout.
0: So, Like I'm scared of it because I'm going to hit something and something's going to break.
2: So, I didn't realize the fit for would make that much of a difference. I told him not really, but also for gravel riding, you need a rigid fork.
1: Yeah, get a rigid fork.
2: Um, is there something I can do to make the fork lockout better? Kenny says fit for. I say you could put a bolt through the stanchion, that would work really well. <laughs> yeah. You go the old uh, gravity dropper route. Yeah, just put a pin in it. And then when you want <laughs> suspension, yeah, you it, a pull the pin. It's a peg with, with a, a hole. <laughs> we don't talk about pegging on this show. Um, if not, is there a 15 by 100 through axle fork that locks out well, rigid? Um, or should I go with rigid carbon fork? If so, what? Obviously not the
0: $441 one that you guys ragged on.
1: 440 well, middle fingers.
0: Well, it be a good choice. So I'm going to throw one more thing in there. So Charger 2 damper uh, from shocks locks out like really, really positively. Uh, like none of the slop, like the motion control crap. And then the Fit4 locks out really well. So basically... The new cartridge-style dampers from both brands, uh, they're both pretty good as far as lockouts go. Sorry, go on.
2: Um, Should I go carbon? Not the one you ragged on. Uh, I wouldn't mind something slightly longer. Definitely don't want to go shorter on the bike. Uh, Andrew is right about old people not liking 29er because we spent so much time on 26. Also, my first mountain bike was a Cannondale with 26-inch front and 24-inch rear. So 24-plus sounded like we're coming full circle. Thanks, Brad Herder from Massachusetts. He lives in Maine and Brevard. He's retired and he moves with the seasons. Hell oh, yeah, Brad. Damn, dude. Fucking getting it. Yeah. Worked hard and now you're like, fuck everybody. I'm tired of being cold. <laughs> so.
1: I think a rigid fork would be um, a wonderful idea. Get whatever is compatible with your front wheel. I'm assuming it's a axle. 100 millimeters. He just
2: just said that 15 by 100.
1: Oh, sorry. I missed the 15 part in my head. I was eating butterscotch morsels. They clouded my brain a little bit.
0: You could also just completely fill up your uh, damper side with oil and you get hydro lock the fork. That'll work pretty good too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could do that too. Hydro lock your fork. If you, you know, if you want the cheap route, um, it may never really work. It, it well, it won't work as a regular suspension fork. Like that's just how you make a rigid fork out of a suspension fork.
0: Man, that'll be a good experiment. Does it? Does it make more sense to do that on the air spring side or the damper side? Probably the air spring. What
1: side. weight oil would you use, or would you just yeah. put some water in it? Oh, you would need to use.
0: I mean, you could use. You could use. Uh, you know, some maple Don't syrup. Waste it. Come on.
1: Yeah.
2: No, I think the maple
1: syrup's too expensive.
0: How would we do this? So
1: nuggets
2: i guess what you would do is you would put maybe a lot easier if you had a dual air fork and then you could like gravity bleed maple syrup into it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah i don't know what's going to happen if you've got one of these modern forks that has the little air bypass valve thingy that fills up the negative and then you fill out the positive with the oil i don't know what happens i think we just gonna have to try that maybe i'll get one of the guys at work to uh, try that next week and I can report back. What's the best way to one of suspension? Yeah, one of the SRAM
1: tech guys um, should email us back once they listen to this. Vance, Yeah, Nate.
2: No, Vance. Vance works in suspension. Come on,
0: man. Yeah, I don't think it's in their best interest to send us <laughs> info on how to break their shit.
1: I wonder if
2: you could take the Schrader valve out.
1: But this is no. going to make them think about it? And they're gonna like want to. They're gonna do it. Like they're gonna take a hosed ass fork that they have in the shop, and they're gonna be like, "All right, let's do this shit."
2: All right, so hear me <laughs> out. You need, um, you know, on Magura brakes, you bleed them with a. You use like a syringe as an, uh an auxiliary like r- reservoir. Yeah. You need a. You, you would take the Schrader valve out, right?
1: Uh huh.
2: Of the 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 top of the fork, and you would start. Funneling 10 weight oil in. I just say 10 weight because it's what came to mind. No, no, 0W30. You need something really light. And then wouldn't you fully bottom the fork out? And that would open the bypass valve and let oil pour in. And then you would fully extend the fork and repeat that a few times to bleed the negative chamber because the air would keep running to the top. And then you would cycle it again and it would. Go through the
1: I, would just, valve. I would just overfill the damper.
2: No,
0: hear me. Like, there's just so many cool things to explore. Like what happens, like when you first fill up the positive chamber with oil and then cycle it. Like what happens? What does it feel like? I don't know. So I, I need to try all this stuff for sure. You've you piqued my Paintings interest.
2: Like swapping this warranty chain ring was a pain in the ass. Hold on, let me fill this fork up with thirty dollars worth of oil. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Once what you yeah, there's a big difference between what you had to do
0: and what you want to do, though, right? There you go. I did not want to have to redo all the work on my bike to make it work for the weekend.
2: <laughs> Do you guys not stock those chain rings?
0: Not in my baby
2: size.
1: Your baby size.
0: You'd have like one. Yeah, I probably should. Um, yeah, I run a twenty-eight. That's, that's fine.
1: That's fine for living in the mountains. That's a very reasonable gear to run.
2: Um. Oh. Oh, uh, we have another question, right?
1: So we we answered Brad's question. Like, yes, you should put a rigid fork on your hardtail, and uh, like he said something about um, about tires in one of his other emails. But I liked when I did dirty Kanza and I did a bunch of gravel racing. I did it on a exactly the same, like a very well similar setup to what you're doing. A, a carbon twenty nine er. I used Icon two point O's. So it's just about the same size as a lot of the gravel tires out there. So it was really, really good. I liked it. I did well. Um, that's what I would recommend is get some kind of a fast rolling tire with some sli- mountain bike tire that's around two inches wide and has some flat protection.
2: Max's Treadlite 27.5 by 2.1, a semi slick with EXO protection and tubeless ready. It was designed to be a speed demon in dry conditions. Tire features a foul tread pattern in the center with a low knob height to keep rolling, show more. Uh, He's oh got
1: God. a 29er though, so does
2: no, that come doesn't. in 29? No, he doesn't. He has 27.5. I
1: thought he said that was a
2: 29 Scott scale 700.
1: Yeah, that's not a 29.
2: Oh, that's. What? Fuck. Kenny, you sold Scott more recently. What's a, what's a 700?
0: If it has a seven in it, it's a 27.5. It has a nine and it, it is a 29 That's what I thought. So, oh okay. Um
1: I just assume everything's twenty nine because that's the superior wheel size. <laughs> he says at the bottom of the
0: email,
2: old guys don't like twenty ers
1: Oh well, he's wrong. So <laughs> Taylor Ladine
2: ran on the back of his bike at Old Pueblo, and I really want one for myself now for next year's. You should you should old. run that at Leadville. Uh, I might want a little bit more straight line traction, but we'll see. Um. I just really want one because I want everyone to look at it and tell me I'm going to die on it, and then be like, "No, I'll be fine." And be <laughs> fine. Um, I just want to do it to be annoying. I'm not going to lie, and it looks like it's going to roll fast as hell. So.
1: Oh God, I'm on the German Scott website. Um, and then we have a question
2: from Jay. So Jay has a 2016 Trek Stash Five. Hey everyone, hey Jay. I have a 2016 Stash 5. I want to turn into a single speed. I want to use Gates Carbon Drive. I need some help picking a proper crank. Currently, it has a Race Face Effect crank, which won't work because of the direct mount chain ring. Is there a crank that would work without replacing the current bottom bracket? I need 4-bolt 104 BCD. And what I told Jay, because I emailed him back a part number, is go to your bike shop. Get them to order you a Race Face Cinch Spider.
1: That's what I was going to say.
2: More importantly, they don't have, that bike is boost. They don't have any boost spiders in stock. None of that matters because you're going to run it single speed. So get the one that's made for three by and put the chain ring in the outer position and properly adjust your chain line. Bada boom.
1: Yeah, that works.
2: Don't replace your crank, replace your cinch mount piece.
1: I will say um, from personal experience, if you have a boost bike and you try to use a non-boost crank thinking it doesn't matter. I'm single speed. If you use too large of a chain ring, it will touch your chainstay.
2: On his bike, that would probably have to be about a 50, because it's an elevated chainstay.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, it's a stash. Oh yeah. Sorry, I was looking at Scott's, and they don't have any elevated chainstays. Chainstays.
2: I think that's it. Do we have anything else? I thought of something, and then I forgot it. Oh! I just remembered it again. Does anyone want to go before I go on this? No. Okay. Okay. I wrote... So, Salida is having a 12-hour race on May 5th. It's called the Salida 720. You can go to chocolatebunnyproductions.com. It's not a porn site, I promise. Chocolatebunnyproductions.com. It like it. It's not, though. And there is a 12-hour uh, race called the Salida 720, 720 minutes, for those of you that don't get it. um, It is going to be the hardest 12-hour race, probably... Anywhere. In the... Yeah. Anywhere. I don't know. I'm trying to avoid saying that (laughs) for railing on Margie guessing It is going to be a twelve hour
1: race. That's different. It's a lap race. No,
2: saying it's the hardest race.
1: it's going to be a
2: very difficult race. Um I did a lap the other day. Lap was fourteen miles. It took me an hour and thirty three minutes, and I was actually sweating. Like I didn't ride bonkers, but I didn't like bullshit around. Like you went
1: at like a normal twelve hour race, solo pace.
2: No, I went too hard. OK, like I went harder than race pace because I was like kind of on a time budget <clears throat> and it is it it's a 12 hour race course. I used all 140 mils of my fork while using all 150 of my dropper. Um, if you bring if you come to the race and you bring your hardtail rigid bike or hardtail high post bike with a laugh. No, just in general, <laughs> like if I tried to race my less, there's places I would just have to walk. Like a few places a lap, I would just have to walk, so
1: and there are gonna be some places that, unless you're going like unless you have professional watts per kilogram um that going uphill if you're smart and you're racing twelve hours solo that you're gonna walk even if you could ride it on like the first lap or two because it's hard and it's loose and it's technical and uphill and steep it's it's a hard course like
2: one seventy three
1: yeah. Maybe there, maybe some spots on back North Backbone, like the technical spots on North Backbone that are real steep. Yes. Like if you're smart, you're just going to get off your bike and walk that because you're going to burn a match there every time.
2: So I think I'll, I'm going to walk parts on North Backbone. I'll probably ride 173 though, but I'm going to put a 30 on my bike with Eagle. So I'm going to run 3050 as my easy gear.
1: Yeah, that'll be good because that's not really that technical. It's just really steep. If it and, clears. And I don't know if the 30 is
2: going to clear on that bike. It'll be fine. Well, if I put a cork on there and then I'll have to use a race face and that chain ring doesn't have much clearance. So we'll see. Um, so yeah, if you want to come down and do the race, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to do the event. Andrea is not. So you could come to the race, break your shit, go to the shop and she could fix it. and You can continue racing.
1: Yeah. If you want me to fix your bike for you, come to the race.
2: Um, and then the other part of that is, uh, it's going to be really hard. Um, don't expect like I fully expect to be bleeding at the end of the event. Um, so yeah,
1: it's awesome though. Like it's, it's all sorts of like, if you wanted to go out, if you had like an hour and a half and you wanted to go out and like, just ride straight from town and do just a really hard, you know, section of trail that's really fun and challenging, but like great views and like, just fun to ride in general, you would probably do this lap. And I think that's why he came up with it is because it's both hard and it's like something that locals would ride. Uh, It's, it's good. Like it's, it's really good. I highly recommend it.
2: And with that, I think we've rambled as much as we can ramble in the last 70 minutes. This has
1: been the gravel episode. Yeah. Anything
2: else, Kenneth? No, that's it. All right, so today is Wednesday. Sunday, we'll have people in town, so probably not just people, Jim. Matt's,
1: Matt's running a half marathon.
2: Yeah, I'm going to run a half on Saturday um, in the same trail system, so it's pretty hard half marathon also. Um, and the rocks
1: are so good. The what? The rocks. Oh, like, yeah. Like the rocky stuff, like the little rock gardens and little rocky technical spots here are just so good
2: yeah I'm really excited to race, so um, I'll be doing a half marathon on Saturday. Our friends are leaving out Monday morning, and then we'll probably record sometime that week. Um, we'll see though um also cool news that I just found out the bike packing summit this year is in Gunnison, so
1: coldest valley in the world.
2: Maybe I don't know, I'm just excited about that
1: we could bike we could bike pack to it
2: You could also ride the bus there.
1: Yeah, we could ride a bus. Or, or we drive. could drive there.
2: We both have cars. We, we so. do have cars. Uh, cool. I think that's... We could
1: both drive separate cars there <laughs> just to be assholes. You could even tow another car behind your truck. Why? <laughs> just, you know.
2: I, I'm trying to close the episode, and you're turning this into like, oh, uh, gosh, that show... Kenny
1: could drive there in the Daewoo.
2: Oh, my God. Please do, Kenny.
0: The Daewoo is extremely... Uh, eco-friendly <laughs> <laughs> what because it like
2: gobbles up diesel trucks and farts out priuses somehow no i'm
0: serious so it actually gets like on the interstate it gets close to 30 miles to the gallon and it has a catalytic converter now
1: well it also like weighs 500 pounds yeah,
0: so it does great it's way better than it's you know your average anything else is driving around can you fit a bike in the
2: back if you take it apart yeah it fits that's awesome. Have you welded a fork mount in
0: yet to like secure a bike? I definitely thought about it. I thought about welding it to the roof. Why not, right?
1: Oh my gosh, you could totally you should come to the bike packing summit. I mean, even though is not really your thing, just come to the bike packing summit. It'll also be the JRA summit. <laughs> yeah. Just bring a puffy jacket because it's in the coldest valley in the world.
0: Good
2: to know. Yeah. All right. Shut it down. I'll say it. Shut it down. I think that's a show everyone happy with that
1: keep rambling bail you fed this a why you need a new bike as well or not
0: now you can afford the bike that you want the job at the ma ain't pay you enough not taking hair you're thinking that you need to sell all your stuff when it is more likely the problem with biking is that you're just prone the up you suck Try to get a new hit before you get a bike Maybe get a trike with the wheelies on the side Then you gotta get it, get it till you get it better Maybe then you make a cheddar Instead of looking like a lame ass And if you get confused, you can ask J-R-A, get hip to the name Cause maybe the realest new sucker is lame It is a shame But that's why you listen to J-R-A